0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Did you hear the news in December that Justin Bieber lost, I'm going to read this number because I can't memorize it, 3,538,228 followers on Instagram. He really did. It was a bloodbath. The Queen Bee Beyoncé, she also lost millions of followers on Instagram. And and instantly Instagram went on the defensive. They said all we did was was deactivate robotic users. These are just spam accounts that that violate the guidelines of use for our users, so we just we just shut them down. You would think that that the users of Instagram would be happy about that 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 they got rid of fake users and, and spam followers on Instagram, but they weren't they weren't happy at all. in fact, the users of Instagram met this giant they called it the great rapture of Instagram, or the great purge of Instagram of December 2000 and 2014, they met this purge with two emotional reactions. Very spiritual in nature. They met it with great sadness and also great anger. Here's what, here's what one user of Instagram, this is ZoWord poetically captured the great sadness of our heart at losing so many followers in a single day. She wrote, Lost my followers and I'm full of black rainbows that are colder than my soul. Great sadness. Another user of Instagram, when he found out that 90% of his followers were just robotic in nature, he gave the middle finger in great anger with a a picture. People are calling this and they're naming it and they're asking, where were you during the great Instagram purge of 2014? Maybe you're wondering what happened to my Instagram account during the great Instagram purge. I still have a whopping number, the same number before and after, of 10 Instagram followers. Now, all, all of this may seem juvenile. It, it may seem immature, it may seem even ridiculous. And maybe it's possible that you don't even know what Instagram is. If, if you don't know what it is, it's a, it's a photo. It's a, it's a photo-sharing service where you can alter the reality of the, the picture with easy, built-in filters. Even if you do think it's rather juvenile and immature to react with such sadness and such anger at losing fake followers the fact remains that for some people it's absolutely devastating. Why is that? Why would people react with such sadness and such anger at lo- at losing fake followers? It's because Instagram for some people is much much more than a photo-sharing application. For them, it's a platform. And it's a platform for them to build what we're calling in this sermon series a profile. It's a platform for them, what we might also call for building an identity. And this is how it works. People share photos on Instagram, and then their followers, whether they're fake or real, will say, ooh, and ah, and what does the user receive in return? Acceptance. Appreciation. Worth. Self-worth. They receive, and some people will even begin to build, their very identity on what people say about them on Instagram. Now, Newsweek, I think, said it best. This, is, this was a very, I think, right thing to say about this purge. They said... Those Instagram users who go to bed each night confident that their followers are real, that there are actual humans out there admiring their avocado toast, might soon awake to find out their fragile construction of self has suddenly collapsed. There it is there are some people out there whose very identities are tied up on how much commenting, how many oohs and ahs they get on Instagram. And when that's taken away from them, suddenly, overnight, the only spiritual reaction that they can have is great anger and great sadness because they have lost their profile they've lost their identity. And the fact of the matter is this, it's a strange it's a strange world when when people would rather live in a false world with fake followers than live in reality where they don't have that many followers at all. Now, I don't want you to get the idea that that Christians are sort of immune to having an unhealthy identity or a sinful or a false identity, we're not. We're not at all. I don't talk about it much anymore. Maybe you don't know this about me, but in, in high school, I was actually pretty good. There's Some people that went to high school with me are here this morning. In high school, I was actually a pretty good track and field athlete. And I left high school. The last thing I did as a high school um, student was win a state championship. And I went on to college. And I actually had a, a pretty, for, for NCAA Div- Div- Division Three competition, I actually had a pretty successful collegiate career. So successful that my junior year, I won the 800 meters, the 1,500 meters, and the 4x4 relay, and I was named Athlete of the Year in our little intercollegiate college conference. And my last year, my senior year, I was bound and determined to qualify for the NCAA championships in the 800-meter run. And I trained, and I trained, and I trained. I ran 70 to 80 miles a week. One day... It was bone-chilling cold out in New Orleans, Minnesota. And there was no way I was, I was going to do my, my planned 12-mile run outside. So I went down to the indoor track. If you know anything about an indoor track, it has tight corners and it's only 200 meters long. So you put, when you run around that track for 12 miles, you're putting a lot of stress on one side of your body. And I did. I, four miles in, I was right on pace. I was on a tempo run. But my, my ankle was starting to hurt. Kept going anyway. Eight miles in, still going. But it's really starting to hurt now. But I, I was going to qualify for the NCAA championship, so I kept going. Twelve miles later, I finished that run well. But when I stopped running, I could barely walk. Went to the ER. They took x-rays and the doctor comes in and says, it's clear as day, you ran so hard and for so long that you broke your leg. Why would someone do that? Why would you run so hard and so long that you break your leg? Think about that. Some people might call it toughness. Some people might say he's competitive. But we might call it something else, and I think it would be right. It was a spiritual identity crisis. That was someone who was so bound and determined to have some sort of success in collegiate athletics that he ran until he broke his leg. And I still have a reminder of it. There's, there's a little knob on my ankle from where I broke my leg. You know what the truth of the matter is? I ended up, because of this identity crisis, as as a college athlete, that was my very last run. That was it. I never got to compete in college again. God took it away because it became the very center of my life for a while. Now, each one of you... Me today, too, we have an identity. We, we, have, we have a profile that we have. And, and your identity or profile is what you believe is at the very center of your life. It motivates you. It drives you. It pushes you to be better. And we need to ask ourselves the question in this moment, what is my identity? You can discover it real simply by asking yourself this question. Who am I? What's your heart tell you? Who who are you? There's an infinite amount of unhealthy, sinful, and false identities. Some people will have their identity. They'll answer that question by saying, I am a celebrity on Instagram. But then they leave themselves devastated when they find out that their followers are just fake. Some people might answer the question and say, I am a successful collegiate runner. But then what happens when their leg breaks? Shattered dreams. Usually what happens is we take some good vocation, some act of service from God, and we change that and we make that the center of our lives. So you might answer the question by saying, I'm a mom or I'm a professional, or I have this rank in my organization, or I get these grades in school, or I'm a beautiful person, or whatever it might be, it's something good that we make the center of our lives. But all of these false, unhealthy identities always lead to foolishness. They lead to spiritual desperation and ultimately spiritual ruin. While there are an infinite amount of false and unhealthy and sinful identities, there's only one, there's only one true Christian identity. And that's what this sermon series is all about. We're calling it Profile. You might call it Identity. You might also, but more importantly than that, that's what the book of Colossians is all about. And there's a warning here for us. There's a warning that we would not make something unhealthy our identity. It's always going to lead to ruin. But there's also an encouragement to make something else the very center of our lives. And that is a fact that Jesus Christ is our Savior. It's the only healthy, truly healthy, spiritually healthy identity that there. Is. And that's what the book of Colossians has to say to us. And we're going to be looking at this over the next couple of months. This morning, what I'd like to do is go through our verses as we look and understand, well, where, what does the Apostle Paul say needs to be at the very center of your life? And, and you can look at these verses. Why don't you pull them out now in your bulletin? We're going to, we're going to look at these verses, page 7 in Colossians. And there's really three parts to this. There's a, there's, there's a salutation, there's a greeting. Then the Apostle Paul he gives thanks in the next few verses, that's verses 3 to 8. And then in verses 9 through 14, he has a prayer. And all of these things focus us in on what's really, truly important at the very center of our identity. Here's what he says. He greets the people by calling them holy and faithful brothers in Christ. So so right away, at the very beginning, he is giving you an identity, isn't he? He's saying, you are part of a Christian family. You're brothers and sisters because of what Christ has done for you. He says to you, you have grace and peace from God. This is what's important about you. And then he goes on to give thanks. And notice what he gives thanks for. He doesn't give thanks that you are an awesome 800 meter runner in college. He doesn't give thanks that you have millions and billions of Instagram followers. He gives thanks for three things. And and these three things are very common in his writings. He gives thanks for your faith, your hope, and your love. So your past, present, and future in Christ. He gives gives thanks for your faith because of what you know that Christ has done for you in the past. He died for you and He rose for you. He gives thanks because in the present you are full of love. You truly love one another in Christ. He gives thanks because of what you hope for. Not hoping for popularity or a good performance, You hope for heavenly treasures and a heavenly inheritance. So having a Christian identity, having Christ at the center of our life, impacts what you believe about the past, impacts what you do in the present, and what you're hoping for in the future, doesn't it? And then he continues, and he gives thanks And and he he offers a prayer for you, a very simple prayer. He asks for spiritual wisdom for you. And then he asks that you would live a life that's pleasing to God. And then we get to the very heart of our identity in Christ. And here's our key passage for today. This is verses 13 and 14. The Apostle Paul writes there, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the very heart of the Colossians' spiritual life. It's what gave them power. It's what made them want to change. It's what drove them and led them to live for Jesus, And this is how the people of Colossae were to understand themselves and say to themselves, we are people who have been rescued from darkness. We are people rescued by Jesus Christ. And this was no cheap rescue. This was a rescue made and accomplished through the Son that the Father loved. He didn't just offer anything. He offered the Son that He loved. This was their true, healthy, spiritual profile. It was their identity. And it's mine too. I am a man rescued by God through Jesus Christ. It's the most important thing about me and it's the very center of my life. It's my profile. And it's yours too. It's your identity, your profile. This topic that we're that we're biting off in this sermon series, the Apostle Paul dedicated an entire book to it. It's called Colossians. And he thought, so he must have thought that it was pretty important. He shows the Colossians that Christ is supreme. He is the very center of their lives. And, and, and then he shows them all the implications of that. Here at Sure Foundation, we think it's pretty important too. So we're going to spend January and February preaching through this book. We're going to spend January and February going through this in Bible study. So if you want to get the most out of this book, come to church regularly. If you miss a Sunday, catch up on the sermon online. Then go to Bible study. And after you're done with Bible study, pick up the book of Colossians and read it at home. And when you're done you're going to understand what it means to have a Christian identity, a Christian profile, and everything that comes with that. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Here's the one thing that you can remember from today. Today we already know everything that we need to know. Who am I? Who am I? I am rescued. It's our profile. It's yours too. Amen.